may be seated. Well, good morning, Stafford County Christian Church. You're going to notice things are a little bit different this morning. I'm not coming to you from the youth room. I'm actually coming to you from my garage. Uh, the reason for that is um, I have been in contact with someone uh, that has tested positive for COVID. So I am on lockdown. So we are filming from uh, our garage. You can see Justin's Jeep behind me. Um, want to let you know a, a few announcements that we have. One, uh, I hope that everyone received the email that we sent out this last week or have seen it on Facebook. Uh, and, and it basically laid out our process uh, of when we will be able to come back and meet again in the building. I know a lot of you are hearing uh, reopen. Listen, we've never closed. Because even though we're not meeting in the physical building, we are the church. We are the hands and the feet of Christ. And we need to make sure that we are constantly doing the Lord's work. So I encourage you, make sure that you are showing grace and love to those that you come in contact with. That you are sharing the gospel wherever you are. To your neighbors, to your friends, on Facebook. I've said this many, many times. Who is your one more? Who is that one person that you can invite and physically you can't invite them to come to the church but right now you can invite them to come and to worship with you uh, one of the things that we put out in the letter uh, was that we are looking for people uh, to be host churches that once we go into phase two we're going to be meeting in our life groups and in other groups. So if that is something that you would like to be a part of, if you would like to open your home uh, to be able to have people come in and to be a part uh, of the worship setting in your home, uh, I encourage you to, uh, you can put it in the comments, you can email me, just let us know how um, we, we can best serve you and how you can be, again, the hands and feet of Jesus. We are still uh, collecting for our serve food drive. Thank you so much. I had a, uh, someone email me on Saturday evening and let us know that it was completely overflowing. And, and then um, the Roland sent a picture. They put it on Facebook, uh, and it was the back of his truck just filled full of food. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Serve says thank you for what you have given and the way in which you are being a blessing to uh, your community. Uh, also, we have masks still at the church, so I encourage you that if you are in need of a mask uh, or if you know someone that is in need of a mask, that you uh, come to the church uh, during the middle of the week. We're there from 9 to noon, Monday through Friday, so or Monday through Thursday. Sorry, make sure you keep that in mind. Uh, and we're still looking for cleaning supplies. So if you have a contact or you see different things out, make sure you pick that up. You can bring it in. Uh, and again, we can still be contactless. You can leave it outside um, and just let us know. Uh, and we can make sure that we pick that up. So this morning, we're going to continue uh, looking at the book of James. And, and we come to the last part of James chapter, chapter 3 here this morning. And, and one of the things that we know without a doubt is that conflict is everywhere, uh, especially in the times that we're living in today, in the midst of this pandemic that's out there. And, and listen, it doesn't matter what side you fall on. Um, we need to make sure that we have that grace and love as Christians, because while people are out there fighting over toilet paper, while people are 
out there that are um, just stepping on one another, trying to get these different supplies that are so upset because you can only get one gallon of milk or you can only get one carton of eggs or, or whatever it is. As Christians, we have to make sure that we are rising above that, that we have grace and love for everyone that we come in contact with. Someone put it this way, where two or three come together in Jesus' name, there will eventually be conflict. Humans have been at war with God ever since Adam and Eve sinned, beginning with the conflict between Cain and Abel, which eventually led to one brother killing the other. We find ourselves in battles with people all the time. Last weekend, we learned how to be wise with our words, that we need to control our tongues or it will control us. The tongue has the power to direct, destroy, and delight. Well, here's the main point that we're going to talk about here today. In James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, a worldly person breaks peace while a wise person makes peace. Let's read James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18 together. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is, show, is sown in peace by those who make peace. So if we go back to the very beginning of what James says here, and James uh, in, in verse 3, he just lays out a rhetorical question. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? You know, wisdom is the skill of working out practically what God says in his word. The second half of verse 13 shows wisdom is measured not by degrees, but actually by deeds, by his good conduct. Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, now that phrase, good conduct, speaks of beautiful behavior. The idea here is to turn back to the truth. James wants us to turn back to God's word. He wants us to turn back to the truth. Unfortunately, the good life that we say so many today, it's all wrapped up in possessions, power, popularity, pleasure. But the true good life is getting back to God's word, being filled with love and mercy and kindness. He continues and he talks about to show his works. It's an emphatic imperative and refers to putting deeds on display. It was also used of presenting oneself for inspection. 
This goes along with what James said back in James chapter 2, verse 18. I will show you my faith by my works. You see, Jesus equated wisdom with obedience. If we go back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, the word meekness here, it's not a synonym for weakness. A lot of us, we hear that word meekness and immediately we go to weakness and, and we're not very powerful if we're meek. But here's the thing. Meekness, going all the way back to the very beginning, it means power under control. And it was used of breaking a high-spirited horse. How many of you have ever been around a high-spirited horse or uh, a, a dog uh, that, that, that they, it just doesn't seem like you can keep it under control. Well, a wise person is a strong person that is under God's control. Wisdom is demonstrated by the way we live and how we act with humility. The true test of wisdom is works, not words. And, and, and we can talk the talk. All day long. But if we're not walking the walk, then it is absolutely useless. That's what James fully wants us to be able to understand. So in the remaining verses here in James chapter 3, we're going to see the contrast between the peacebreaker and the peacemaker. A worldly person breaks peace while a wise person makes peace. So let's talk about that very First one, a worldly person breaks peace. Look at verse 14. But if you have a bitter jealousy and self-ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Now, in our age of, of texting and snapping and, and tweeting and all of these different things, there's all kinds of acronyms that are out there for us. We, we have IDK. I don't know, or LOL, laugh out loud, TTYL, talk to you later. And then I came across another one. It's WIIFM. Plain and simply, what's in it for me? You see, worldly wisdom is corrosive when everything is about me, myself, and I. To have bitter jealousy is to want what someone else has so much that we end up harboring bitterness. Self-ambition is all about getting ahead. And I'm just going to stop there for just a second because while I was putting this message together, I was already in quarantine. I was already in lockdown and I was thinking to myself, you know, Travis, you're not sick. You're not showing any of the symptoms. So there's absolutely no reason that you shouldn't be able to go in and preach. There's no reason that you should have to wear a mask or put gloves on or do anything crazy. But then I really started thinking about it and I went, is this really about me? Or is this about showing that love and that grace to everyone that I come in contact with? Because what if? What if I pass that on to someone that's at the church? What if I give this virus to someone else? I never show any symptoms yet. I pass it on to someone else and they lose their life. It's something that I personally couldn't live with. And so I had to look at this and go, you know what? 
This isn't about me. This is about we. This is about our family in Christ. We're, we're given the source of this kind of jealousy and selfishness in, in verse 15. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. This triad of enemies is also called the world, the flesh, and the devil in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Let's just break these three words down. James says that it's earthly. For a lot of people, wisdom is measured in worldly terms without any recognition of God whatsoever. Then he calls it unspiritual. Now in the Greek, this means animal-like and speaks of survival, having that animal-like survival skill set. It has the idea of being controlled by emotions. What we would look at in this life uh, or in our world today, it's the idea of doing whatever feels right. There's no spiritual truth for you. There's no spiritual truth for me. I'm just going to do whatever feels right. And then he talks about de de uh, demonic. This is a strong word, and it's meaning demon-like. It's very similar to what James said that we talked about last week in controlling our tongue. The tongue is set on fire by hell. Let's make sure that we are not being earthly, unspiritual, or demonic. We're surrounded by earthly, unspiritual, and demonic influences, aren't we? We live in a whacked out world, don't we? Hey, every one of us have come in contact, and, and it may even creep into our lives from time to time, but we need to do our best to make sure that we are living by, living by wisdom of God, not of the world. I'm reminded of what Paul says back in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. We read there, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. We need to make sure that we harness and we hold on to the power that is given to us by the Holy Spirit living inside of us, that we have been set free and that we are truly giving God his due in our lives. As Christians, we should have at least enough wisdom to understand that we cannot trust this world. The Bible clearly teaches us that we are not home, that we are aliens in a world that seeks to destroy us. If we believe the Bible, then we must let it go. We must make sure that we allow the Bible to inform our decisions, the way that we think, the way that we act. Worldly wisdom leads to some pretty foul fruit as well. We see this in verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Paul describes a similar situation taking place within a church in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. He says, perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. Now the word disorder describes instability it, it describes chaos and confusion. Remember the truth of what Paul lays out in 
1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. Are you nursing your grudge right now? Are you being a pain or a peace breaker? Or are you truly trying to bring people together? Let's make sure that we are bringing people together. A worldly person breaks peace while a wise person must make peace. That's our second point. Look, look at verse 17. It, it spells out the contrast between the wise and the worldly. But the wisdom from above takes us back to uh, chapter 1, verse 17, where we read every good and Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. The wisdom from above. Here's the big difference. Wisdom from below, it comes from reason. Wisdom from above comes from revelation. We need to allow God to give us revelation today. Instead of bitter envy and selfish ambition, Biblical wisdom operates very differently. We see this in, in verse 17. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Worldly wisdom crowns self. Heavenly wisdom crucifies self. There are two main distinctives of wisdom from above. The first one that James talks about is the fact that wisdom from above is pure. This is the first quality it refers to holiness. Jesus put it this way. We go back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Then he says there is also peaceable. Purity speaks of one's relationship with God, and peaceable characterizes our ability to get along with others. Peaceable is literally peace-promoting, as one translation puts it, peace-loving. If you find yourself always looking for a fight, something's not right, because peace follows purity. Don't look for those fights. Look for ways to bring peace. Because listen, there are plenty of fights if we look for them. Well, we can fight about our sports teams. We can fight about what type of brand of car, whether it's pop, Coke, soda. We, we can fight about all kinds of things in this world, but what we should really be doing is finding ways to bring peace, love and mercy to one another. James lists six other qualities that, that describe a peace lover. As we walk through them, I want you to take inventory to see how you measure up. Is there anything that you need to be working on right now? He says gentle. Are you gentle with those that are around you? Are you reasonable? Or would people call you harsh? Are you open to reason? Do you have an open-minded attitude, or do you always need to be right? Does everyone else have to be wrong, and you always have to have that right answer? 
Are you full of mercy? The word full means to be stuffed or controlled by. Are you compassionate for those who are hurting? Do you show compassion to those that are around you? Do you look for practical ways to help? Luke chapter 6 verse 36, 36 says, Be merciful as your Father is merciful. What about good fruits? Do you see spiritual fruit in your life? Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you have those fruits in your life? Are there some of those fruits that you need to really be working on? Are you impartial? Do you treat people the same? Do you have favoritism? Do you look for just a few to hang out with, or are you open to anyone? You know, this last weekend, uh, we, we were away, and uh, we, we didn't know we were supposed to be on lockdown. I'm going to say that now. Um, but wherever we went, we did have our mask on. Um, and and uh, we, we made sure that uh, when we went through certain states, they made us mandatory. But uh, we, we were staying in one hotel, and um, I, I, I had my Ohio State shirt on. I think Teresa did, too. We both had our Ohio State shirts on, and this gentleman gets into um, the, the elevator with us, and he's just kind of looking, and he's not really saying much. Uh, and then all of a sudden he says, I'm sorry, I have to say this, go blue. And I just laughed. And he says, I, I, I just had to say, I know we don't have much to brag about right now. I said, you know what? I would expect nothing less because if you had a Michigan shirt on, I would say OH to you. And, and we laughed and we joked about it. And, and, you know, there's so many people out there. And he said this. He says, you know, I'll have a Michigan shirt on or I'll, I'll say something if I see somebody with a Ohio State shirt on. And, and, and he says immediately that I bring it up, they want to get angry. They want to get mad. We need to make sure that we don't show favorites. We need to make sure that we're gentle, that we're open to reason, that we're full of mercy. We need to make sure that we have good fruits. And then lastly, are we sincere? Are we sincere? Are you genuine or would people say that you're hypocritical? In verse 18, James uses another metaphor comparing wisdom with the seed that is sown. The root of godly wisdom results in, in some very attractive fruit. We read here, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I see two responsibilities in this verse. We must sow peace. The word sow is the word for planting by scattering. Are we sowing peace in our world where we're at right now? Again, I know that we can't meet together in the church building, and I know that it is very hard on, on many of you, but you now have the best opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Sow peace wherever you are. And then we must show peace. The phrase make peace literally means to do, to create, to work. Peace must be actively made because it never happens just by chance. Left to ourselves, we drift towards divisiveness. Psalm 34 verse 14 says, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. 
If the root is right, the fruit will be right. If the root is wrong, the fruit will be foul. So let's make sure that we're showing peace, that we're sowing peace. Are, are you blinded by any bitterness in your life today? Do you have any unresolved anger toward your spouse, your kids, your parents, your boss, extended family, friends? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 makes clear that we need to do whatever it takes to let go, to root out bitterness, to grow the soil for our souls in peace. We read, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. One person said it like this, it's like swallowing a bottle of poison and waiting for the other person to die. Don't allow the hurts of your life to turn to hate. You can become bitter or you can become better. The choice is up to you. You can claim the promise of James chapter 3, verse 18, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We have the choice. It is up to me. I have to choose. You have to choose. Will you be better? Or will you be bitter? Will you be a person that makes peace? Or a person that breaks peace? How do we put all of this together? I came up with four action steps for us. The first one is make sure you're at peace with God. Make sure that you are at peace with God. If you have not put your faith into Christ, if you have not given your life over to him, the Bible says that you are at war with God. It's time to have a peace conference with the peacemaker. There's no better way to have peace of God until you know the God of peace. Listen. We've all gone outside the lines of the law. A price has to be paid. The Bible says that the fine for sin is death. And I am so, so thankful for the love of Jesus. That he left heaven. And that he chose to come to earth. That he came to go to the cross of Calvary. And he did it. For my sins. Number two, be at peace with those that are around you. Do you need to make peace with someone right now? Maybe you need to make a phone call. Maybe there's someone right now that you're fighting with and you just need to say, will you forgive me? Seek that forgiveness as well. Number three, Help others who are in conflict. How can God use you to build bridges between people who are in conflict? Here's the thing. You can be like Francis of Assisi who prayed, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. 
And then lastly, lead others to be at peace with God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 15 refers to believers having their feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, We have been given the ministry of reconciliation as if God were making his appeal through us to others. And then Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteousness is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. Is your soul set free? Do you have the peace of God in your life? We've come to the end of the service, and we're going to take communion here in just a second. And I want you to remember what Jesus did for you. Because here's the thing. We were all at war with God at one time. And because of what he did for us, we can be set free. It's up to us of whether or not we will choose to be set free. And if you, as a Christian, have been set free, we've come to that point where you get to remember what Christ did for you. You take that bread, you take that juice, whatever emblems you're using, and you remember the gift that Jesus gave for you when he went to Calvary. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we thank you so very much for allowing us to worship you here today. We thank you for giving us the ability and the gift to come to you in many different avenues. And Father, as we come to make peace with you, we remember what you did, that you are the peacemaker. You are the Prince of Peace, and you gave your life on the cross for my sins for all of those who are watching here today. I ask that you help us to remember that sacrifice as we prepare to partake in these emblems. We pray this in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.